0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters.
1: This is Mike at I am Mike White on Twitter.
0: And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Thanks for uh, listening to the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. If this is your first time listening, we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. And you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. As I said before, I'm Matt, and uh, joining me is Tiny and Mike. How's it going, guys? Hi,
1: it's pretty good. Uh, and to kind of cut in, if you're a longtime listener and have noticed that we haven't had like any home content lately, uh, it's because we haven't. We, Tiny and I have been a little sick. We did our Starbase Indie uh, appearance, which was actually really fun, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome.
0: yeah. oh, yeah. And you can listen to it at uh, – listen. our last episode is our panel, which was the 2015 Summer Movie Preview. It was a lot uh-huh. of fun.
1: Uh, And last week, Matt, you did a guest spot. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah,
0: I did a guest spot on our friend's uh, The Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Uh, One of their co-hosts was (laughs) – it's funny because it was the day that we were going to record last week, this this episode that we're recording now. Uh, In the morning, I did – I filled in for – uh Pat's co host Tyler who was sick and then like that day I just got really sick and that's why I canceled our, our recording. But uh their latest episode is it's called Let's Get a Jar Jar Tat. <laughs> um and you can nice. find that at thenerdspodcast.com dot I'm I'm the guest host on it. And uh also check out uh Teleadvised Uncensored from BrocoolNation.com. They do they do uh episodes devoted to TV shows are about to change the format, but they're on uh, How I Met Your Mother Season 8, and I sent them an email, and they read it on the air, and I nerded out a little bit. Nerd! <laughs> Pretty cool. But this week is all about us, and we're
1: yes. talking about talking.
0: Yes, yes we are. Should we get up and walk around? Because, uh, uh, like, Sorkin walk and talk. Represent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Explain to them what you mean, Matt.
0: Uh, well, Sorkin does walk and talks, and... Uh, no, what are we
1: talking about? Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're talking about TV dialogue, guys. It's the it's the act of it's it's the thing that comes out of the actors' mouths when <laughs> when the cameras are pointed at them
2: <laughs> when air flows across the larynx. Yes.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, TV dialogue. Uh, this it's kind of a kind of a broad kind of topic because it's kind of hard to i had like a list of like seven shows uh actually nine shows and then one that i didn't even add on here uh, but we're going to confine it to two two shows a piece <laughs> so that should be fun but so yeah what what do you guys look for in tv dialogue like in tv shows what kind of dialogue are you looking for are you looking for are, do you look for like cleverness or like clever turns of phrase or stuff that informs the characters or stuff that's just more like again it's hard because you're judging between genres but do you like a uh, dialogue that drives the plot or drives the characters mm. or what opening Tiny, you want
1: to take it first
0: you
2: know i don't discriminate <clears throat> i nice. like all kinds of dialogue but i mean i, I prefer it to be uh good <laughs> and, right. and original um you know i mean character stuff is great plot stuff i mean you just. i, I don't know i don't i really don't discriminate. Um, yeah Sorkin is great. You mentioned that before. he's good. We've mentioned Sorkin once or twice I we think, have or twenty seven times yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean he's he's the pinnacle of dialogue, so in my opinion um but yeah
0: yeah you know, yeah, I, yeah 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 yeah. I have thoughts about the newsroom that we'll get into later, but Ooh. Yeah, I do. But anyway, um, um,
1: I Mike. I like to be I like to be challenged. I, I, nice. Things that move me the most are the things that I always find are <laughs> this. Is, this sounds super douchey, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> things that are better than I can do. Hmm. So when when a particular piece of writing or a particular piece of dialogue is is more impressive than I would have ever thought, that's when I'm taken aback. Hmm. When it's when it's something I couldn't have even imagined. That's 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 just so awesome um those are the kinds of those are the kinds of dialogue that move me but again like you know like tiny said anything that's moves the plot along i really love character stuff um and then i've i've even said before joke density on a show is really important to me i'm not going to be talking about any comedies uh i think it i think it goes without saying that you know i i love some amazing shows with some amazing hilarious dialogue namely seinfeld happy endings but um so we're, we're t- I'm talking about drama today, but it's all good.
0: Nice. And when you said that you like dialogue that that challenges you and stuff like, I wanted to cut in, but I didn't want to cut you off. But I wanted to say that's exactly why I don't watch porn. Because you <laughs> said that it's stuff that's better than you. Anyway,
1: right? Except that you wouldn't be. You'd be lying.
0: Uh, is that a compliment? Because you watch <laughs> a lot of porn. Oh, I thought you said that. I was just trying to make a joke about me being inadequate.
2: Uh, Some great dialogue we got going so far. Yeah, this is yeah, going This cut. is
0: so fast. So anyways, the dialogue, who wants <laughs> to go first? <laughs> that totally backfired. A little bit. <laughs> which is my favorite kind of porn. Yeah. <laughs> I did,
1: I just did a lot of talking. Tiny, you go first. Sure.
2: Uh, ironically, or not ironically at all, the first show I'm going to talk about is an Aaron, Sh- Aaron Sorkin show, which which uh, recently um, concluded. It is The Newsroom. Yes. Yes. Um, had three seasons, far too few, if you ask me mm-hmm. um but th- there there's something that kind of runs throughout the show that really stuck out to me because it's it's something that I believe in very um very vehemently and and it's something that's important to me, so it kind of stuck out to me um, I said me seventeen times uh,
1: <laughs> speaking of you, tiny <laughs> why do you think? Why is America the greatest country in the world? (laughs) Yosemite.
2: (laughs) Um, but throughout the show, there's this, this kind of running theme about how the integrity of telling the news is constantly being compromised by industry or by ratings or by some, some powerful person who happens to own a news corporation. Um, and that 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 is a constant. I would say pretty much every episode conflict that we see throughout all three seasons of this show, um, and it creates some amazing dialogue because I think both sides kind of have a point. Um, one of the, one of the characters is Reese Lansing in the show. He is the head of I don't I can't remember. There's so many yeah, people in the really show. It's but he's he kind of he basically runs the fictional news network mm-hmm. and he is constantly battling with the people who produce this new show, trying to get them to do new things to boost their ratings, where of course they don't care about their ratings. They care about reporting news well and reporting quality stories to their people. That's, you know, they want everyone to be informed. And so that, that is just a constant thing that's going on throughout the show. And just the dialogue it creates is absolutely beautiful. In my opinion, um, the the, Matt kind of launched this off with, you know, what What do we look for? And one thing, two things I look for are wit and intellect. Yeah. And those two things are rampant in this show because um, everyone is that, that's kind of some people say it's sort of a weakness of Sorkin's writing is that everyone is ridiculously intelligent and mm-hmm. everyone is super witty. Like every character <laughs> is witty and intelligent. It's like it's, that that doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> there's no there's no filler lines at all. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Everything is poignant. Mm-hmm. Poignant to a fault. Um, but I enjoy that. It's it's it. I can separate that out because this is fiction. You know, it's not mm. real. Of course, in real life, that's that's not going to happen. But this is a fictional thing here. Um, so that's what I love about those scenes throughout the whole show. Um, A lot of it's in the first season. Um, Mm -hmm. There's like one of the best examples is when the show is um, the the, the show is called News Night on Atlantic cable news, Atlantis cable news. Um, And there's this basically what they're trying to do is they want to change the format through which presidential debates are done, because if if you've watched a presidential debate in the last 20 years, they are preposterous. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're basically pointless and they have this desire to change them to where you will actually get information and actually learn thing about learn things about the candidates and won't just be talking points. Mm-hmm. Um but of course no one wants to see that. Right. It's it's not gonna be good ratings. So they have to make a compromise with Reese Lansing and they have to they have to cover the Casey Anthony trial. That's right. <laughs> of which uh, yeah. they had no desire to cover because it's absolutely trash news. It's mm-hmm. it's horrible. Um and so the buildup to that compromise is really incredible. And then it all culminates in this scene where um, they pitch the idea for their debate format to two representatives from the, uh, the RNC, the Republican National Committee or Commission. I don't know. Um, and they have a mock debate. Where they have seven or seven or nine or however many Republican candidates, and Will McAvoy, the the lead of the show, is giving them questions and running this mock debate, and it is just awesome. I just, I, I love the way that whole story builds up throughout the season. And
1: is that it, the scene I referenced earlier?
2: No, no, no,
1: no. That was the opening scene.
2: That's the opening okay. scene of the whole
1: series. No. Okay, yeah. I just for listeners who don't know. Uh, th- they've probably heard that scene that I'm talking about, right? The, yeah. That Jeff Daniels goes off uh, yeah. about why America is not the greatest country in the world, and it has been, it has been copied and shared and reposted so many times that it's almost become apocryphal.
2: Kind of, yeah. It is definitively viral.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I was going to bring it up. That's from it's from the first season. It's the opening scene. It's. Season one, episode one, it's called We Just Decided To.
0: It's kind of oh, like the mission statement right. of the show kind of. It is,
2: yeah. sort of. Yeah, um, yeah and he, one of the phrases that's been pawned or, or <laughs> stolen from that rant is worst period generation period ever period. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see that all over the place. Yeah. Um He's yep. like, so when you ask me if why America is the greatest currency in the world, I don't know what the F you're talking about. Yosemite? <laughs> um that is okay. that is another amazing scene, which is kind of ironic because we're talking about dialogue here. Right. And that's basically just a monologue rant. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but just the, the peaks and valleys of that scene in particular are really amazing. You know, he's – Will McFoy is going off on this rant. He's just had enough. He's tired of being polite and sugarcoating things. But then he, you know, he, he goes off on this crazy tirade. And then he kind of dives down into this little valley where he just kind of – Lays out how great things used to be and how we need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to a great in, scene,
0: yeah. And to put it in the context for, for people who haven't seen the show, the the character it, it's established later that he's like he's like the softball news anchor guy. Yeah. Like he's he like he does just puff pieces and stuff. He doesn't do any like hard hitting uh, uh, journalistic things. And that's like such a in that in that universe, it's such a huge meltdown on his part, and it really jump starts the the arc of the series of them redefining newsnight and and really going after like journalistic
2: integrity because they just decided to
0: right right which is the name of the episode
2: right uh
0: i, I got gotcha. you yeah
2: you're welcome yeah.
0: <laughs> um but yeah any other like specific uh scenes that you want to point out so many i mean there was a very controversial scene
2: during this last season uh, in the pol- the penultimate episode where mm-hmm. um uh, Don is one of the producers of, of the show and he has to go interview a potential interviewee for the show who was a, uh, a rape victim from a college campus. I think it was Stanford. Um, and she created a website to, for rape victims to call out and address their attackers. Uh, anonymously. Anonymously. Yeah. Um, but call out. The attackers by name, right, 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 Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. Um, and so it was very controversial. Obviously, um, it was controversial in the context of the show and outside of the show, people people were talking about it because there were two sides of an argument that were kind of laid out. Um, and so it, it got picked up in the news. There were a lot of people who railed against it. Some people defended it. Um, I think ultimately it was a very very well written scene because Aaron Sorkin has publicly admitted that he uh, he writes controversial things like that in order to create a dialogue Mm -hmm. um, which is exactly what happened Um, and he 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 clearly says he doesn't defend either side or at least he doesn't defend the controversial side he just chooses to lay it out
1: which Um, on a side note and i'm sorry to cut in uh is what tv shows should do absolutely and if we talk about edward r murrow way back when uh when television was first introduced and he talked about it as being a learning tool that's exactly what it's for Right. I mean we we watch a lot of great shows and a lot of fun shows but you have to applaud Aaron Sarkin for if if only that.
2: Absolutely. Especially especially a show like this. Yeah. That has a voice, you know.
0: Yeah, I and I don't want to go on to a tirade about it or a tangent about it because we're we're talking about TV dialogue and like like Tiny said, uh, so I don't even know if this is at a point where we cut or anything, but uh, he is, it, like Sorkin is like the pinnacle of dialogue. Like he writes just incredibly beautiful dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I just I something like <sighs> he's how to how to phrase this without sounding too incendiary because I, I respect the guy's work yeah. a hell of a lot but in terms of like right like dialogue is is incredible but everything else is just kind of like not all there it's not on the same level as his dialogue like the characters oh, okay. aren't the characters aren't all of his stuff seems to be at least at least in the newsroom in in the west wing yeah you know let's that,
1: say television
0: yeah yeah all of his tv stuff seems to be Instead of instead of building like these three like like these really strong characters and character motivations, they're all a vessel for his, for his viewpoint and stuff. That's very true. Yeah, and that, and that's just like I know, kind of noticed it in this in this last season of the newsroom. I'm just kind of like, okay, that's and and, and it's it's f- poetry. It's yeah. It's the it's incredibly fluid, incredibly beautiful dialogue, but. It's just like, hey, this is Sorkin, Sorkin, Sorkin. It's not like, oh, this is Don. This is Jim. This is Neil. It seems like it's all kind of playing together to be a, just his... his. I don't want to say soapbox because that seems like it's too...
2: I think that's appropriate, though.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I do. and that feels a little harsh, but it just seems like... I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah. He's, he's great at writing dialogue, but dialogue does not make isn't all that is into writing like screenwriting and stuff it's like one, that. It's one it's one part of the formula. It is. And it's one part that he excels at, but yeah. it's at the at the detriment to some of his other things. Yeah. Which and sure. I didn't like I didn't like the finale to the newsroom. But
2: really? I wasn't crazy about it either.
0: <laughs> I really it was so uh, uh, just like yeah. it it was uh, So anyway, I, anyway what yeah, that's trying know. to
1: say is you're dumb.
0: No, no no no. no. I'm just saying like <laughs> Sorkin's great, but let's not all start f-ing his d yet um Too late yet <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> anyway yeah i don't know so yeah eh, yeah
2: oh i totally i totally understand i i take some issue with with sorkin as well for yeah. example the title of the finale mm-hmm. uh was what kind of day has it been it's at least the third time he's used that title for a tv show maybe the, the fourth. fourth is it the fourth
0: yeah he uses it for every tv show does he yeah which yeah. and the, you know, is that on purpose? Then, if it's on purpose, it then, is, I don't care. It's more of a trope of his, or, or a yeah. signature, a trademark. Um,
2: yeah, it's well, he, and, and that's just one example. He re he, his writing is very cyclical. Yeah, um, there's such
0: a great YouTube video that shows like the all the recycled Sorkinisms yeah. that appear throughout all of his stuff.
2: There's always pregnancies placed certain. Areas yeah. of the series.
0: <laughs> um, he, okay. Okay, just, I, I'm not. He literally reuses lines. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, gotcha. he literally does yeah. it. It's gotcha. bad. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and he can't write relationships for <laughs> Anyway, so, totally so disagree next, with that. I, we'll have a long That's another time episode. Yeah. That's so, another episode. <coughs> so, Mike, what's first on your list? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man alive, you guys. Yeah, I
2: could talk about the newsroom for an hour easily.
0: Oh, I could too, and I'd be a better finale than what we got. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> harsh, bro. Vicious. Uh, Vicious. Yeah. So, what do you got for us, Mike? All right, are you?
1: Were you done, Tiny? Oh yeah, done? yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, I, I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna take a weird turn. I think because it's difficult for me to talk about Dexter anymore because I'm so embarrassed by it. Uh, And, you know, anytime it comes up in conversation, especially on here, I kind of say yeah, I I was a fan with with my with my head, my hands a little bit. (laughs) Um, And Matt and I have have debated it briefly. Maybe we'll do a deeper debate, though. I don't feel compelled to talk about it all that much anymore. (laughs) Um, But the the showrunner early on and for the first four seasons, I really, really loved the show, in particular, the first season. Um, Because I thought the dialogue in that show uh, was – well, of course it was based on the book, but it was also kind of paid homage to the book, which I loved. Uh, The book is called Darkly Dreaming Dexter, and so they – throughout the book, just for fun, Jeff Lindsay likes to put in alliterations, which um, kind of really play on the the sociopathy – sociopathy sociopathy sociopathy, so, sociopathy of uh, of Dexter's mind and how in in the darkest of situations uh he he is able to make jokes and that's and that's really what Dexter is about and uh, man I won't get into what what you missed or what you didn't like about it but right. what I really loved about the show is that it was that it was a it was a dark comedy the book at least was a dark comedy and I felt like the first season did a good job of that Um, Of course, for TV, you can't really – your comedy can't be all that black. So uh, they have to, of course, enter kids and enter relationships and kind of deal with those relationships. Uh, It was done well in the fourth season when when Rita died. It was not done well after that. But the dialogue I want to talk about in particular is in season two, um, which is one of the most um, um, (laughs) – intensely gripping seasons uh, in terms of like how much you care about what's happening to Dexter. Uh, And in the season they are uh, his, his police forces hunting down the Bay Harbor butcher, which happens to be Dexter. Uh, But throughout the season uh, he is kind of having an affair with this woman, but also realizing that he kind of cares about Rita, the woman he is with at the time. Uh, And he also kind of cares about the kids and it's just cool uh for me to kind of see the humanism that we that we get from Dexter and so i'll uh, i'll read you a line he goes to uh he goes to aa meetings um to talk about his problem uh he, he's talking about his his murderous rampages that he goes on uh but he's disguising it as a as a drug issue uh, and so he says uh he's talking to the group he says hi my name is Something. I don't remember what it was. He says, I just know there's something dark in me and I hide it. I certainly don't talk about it, but there always this dark passenger. And when he's driving, I feel alive, half sick with the thrill of complete wrongness. I don't fight him. I don't want to. He's all I've got. Nothing else could love me. Not even, especially not me. Or is that just a lie the dark passenger tells me? Because lately there are these moments when I feel connected to something else, someone. It's like the mask is slipping, and things people who never mattered before are suddenly starting to matter. It scares the hell out of me. And that is uh, by far my favorite line from the show, and I've told you guys on this podcast before, I have "The mask is slipping tattooed on my foot," which is just a cool way of saying, "Always show. Who you are underneath because I found that Dexter was a a more interesting character and a better person, of course, when his mask was slipping. And it was just a it was just a a not incredibly clever way to disguise his serial killings uh, as drug use. That's not particularly clever, but Mm -hmm. um, just to through words show um, how he's feeling about himself and through some of the other characters that it's an it's an emotional high point in terms of Dexter internally that they tried to hit continuously on the show and never quite got back there. But, um, those first couple of seasons, the dialogue is pretty great and breathe.
2: <laughs> Very well said. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I remember that line. Uh, I watched the first four or five seasons. Um, uh-huh. and I agree. I agree with your, your statement as well, that the first four seasons are, are definitely solid. I think, um, mm-hmm. But and, um, I, I remember that line because it does stick out. That is some really quality writing. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's being spoken – it sounds like it was written by a sociopath. Yeah. Nice. Um, which is yes, exactly. not, e- not easy to do.
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's – and I kind of glossed over that to talk about my favorite scene, but – Uh, Early on, again, I got to specify early on because the show gets very hokey in the final four seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the first four, I love the I love uh, the things he would think inside his head while also playing uh, a psychopath. You could see Michael C. Hall. As Dexter play a human being, and I I really enjoyed that sometimes. Those are those are some um, dialogue highlights for me. There's a scene – there's also another scene where he, he meets the guy he thinks is the ice truck killer at the beginning who he thinks is kind of taunting, kind of playing a game with them. And he mm-hmm. sits down at the table and he has his internal monologue about finding the person who who wants to play with him and he really, really does. And the guy looks at him and goes, who the f*** are you? <laughs> and I know that's not incredibly uh, uh, noteworthy dialogue. Right. but just, just that scene and the way – the way such a simple line is played, along with his internal monologue, is is pretty well done.
0: Nice. I would say that that definitely counts. Obviously. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, well, there you go. That's awesome. So Dexter early on had some really great dialogue.
0: Nice.
2: How did you feel about the uh, <laughs> the uh, the voiceover in that show, Mike?
1: Um, I liked it again because it was it was exactly how the book went, and I and I thought it paid homage to the book, and I also liked that you got um. Th- that dexter dexter the show knew that dexter the character was an unreliable narrator mm. uh, once again i think they lost sight of that in the final four seasons mm-hmm. i i really can't explain enough how much i hate the end of dexter uh, <laughs> but but i think early on they had a grasp on the the fact that dexter is is completely unreliable so much so that in the from season two on uh, or season three on three and four being the good ones. Uh, his his voice of reason is his dad, but Dexter doesn't believe in ghosts and we're not to believe it's a ghost. So it's really Dexter talking to himself and we kind of get that wink all along. Hmm. So so I kind of liked it.
2: I agree because t- I've said before, I'm not a fan of voiceovers at all. I think they rarely work, but yeah. I, th- I think this show is an example of one that works because cool. I, I don't know how you write that character without an internal di- monologue. Yeah, so right.
0: yeah, and I've I've softened on my stance about there being like an, an <laughs> internal monologue in the, in that show. I haven't I haven't watched it. I haven't watched any of the show in mm, several 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 years. but I like I remember having just such a bug up my ass about like, oh my God, that's such a crutch. It's so dumb. But it, but like it fits because like you said it's just you know it's 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 his character like that's the best that's the only way you can really right uh, like showcase that character right? Cause, right yeah so so I can and see it's, that and from, it's
1: with with the dialogue again I'll say it again you you see <laughs> this is so stupid obviously you you hear what he's really thinking right. but you get to see him play a human being while also hearing what he's thinking. And I think that...
2: Well, I, th- I think it's more like the, the inner monologue is actually... That's actually Dexter, what you're that's, seeing. What that's you're exactly seeing, right.
1: Yeah, what you're what seeing, you're seeing him is, is him is pretending. Yeah. Ryan. Right.
2: That's the character. Right. right. Cool.
0: cool. Yeah. Jinx.
1: <laughs> so, so to recap, Matt, early on you you hated it, but now you might have softened to it?
0: Uh, I've softened to the idea of there being voiceovers. I still could... I, I don't... I didn't like the first there were uh, several other problems with the first uh seven episodes that i watched um gotcha. yeah i'm mainly i'm sorry yeah just 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 uh, really quickly just the second that the character that ends up being the ice truck killer the second that he's on the screen the, the first time he's on screen i'm immediately like that's who it is and that just ruined it for me because i'm like i i know exactly who it is from the first frame that he's in because <laughs> it yeah. seemed like they were telegraphing it way way too hard um, and that just, that just took me out of it even further than some of the other stuff.
1: Well, we won't get into a debate about that.
0: We won't. It's to each their own. Yeah. Um, I might watch the series next year. Oh, really? It's, on, it's it.
2: still on Netflix Instant, isn't it? I don't,
0: I don't, <clears <clears <throat> I don't might think be. so. It might be on Amazon even, but I don't, I don't know. know. Huh. Eh, good luck with that. I might. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So my first one, like I said, I have like seven, nine... 20 shows on here, but I'm going to go with uh, one of my favorite shows and it's so underappreciated because a show came along after it ended and usurped or or took all of the, all of the viewers that, that, the, sh- the this show should have had went to this show and it, it it feels like such a I'm being very vague my my choice is the shield and the show that I'm talking mm-hmm. about that came out afterward was Sons of Anarchy which is a vastly inferior show and and it was a huge hit and no one watched the shield and I feel like that should be reversed because. Mm-hmm. You know they. Ugh, yeah, I won't get into it. What's debate. the
1: connection you're trying to make that they were just both on FX?
0: No, uh, one of the the showrunner of Sons of Anarchy was one of okay. the one of the writers on The Shield, and it it, it it kind of exists in the same universe, but not really because they have just yeah they have different like the uh, gangs from The Shield appear in uh, Sons of Anarchy, and they have little. It the show sucks. Sons of Anarchy is so horrible. <laughs> anyway, so the Shield is really great. Um, <laughs> and it has some incredible dialogue. Um the show was the the showrunner of the show was Sean Ryan. Say that <laughs> a million times fast. But um and, and it had a very good writing staff. Um some of which went on to to uh showrun some White Trash soap opera on FX. But um <laughs> the 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 biggest point of the shield was uh, obviously all of it was on, on Vic Mackey the the character portrayed by Michael Chiklis but it was in, in uh, it was also somewhat of an ensemble show it it and it it had such a great balance like the thing that i tell people when i try to sell them on the shield which you can buy the full season full series on dvd at best buy for like 25 bucks Wow. Ridiculous. I've almost bought it because one of my discs is scratched. You'd be crazy not to buy that. Right? Yeah. Um. So anyway, so it's 25 bucks for the whole series, and it's one of the best written series I've seen ever. And a lot of that is... It, the thing that I tell people when I try to get them into the show is that it is such a perfect balance between being a serialized drama and a police procedural because mm-hmm. they have – the main A story is usually – it is always about the strike team. It's it's Vic Mackey and, and his guys and their their nefarious dealings with, with street gangs and stuff like that and them trying to elude capture um, and all that. But then every episode has like a B story that's, that's a really compelling and very gritty and very raw um, – police procedural just case of the week with with some really in, incredible detective characters uh most notably dutch wagenbach uh played by uh jay Carne's. karnes jay karnes.
2: yeah jay karnes, yeah
0: so anyway so i have two examples of dialogue in the show that kind of showcases those those two elements of it um one of them is kind of spoilery so i, I won't get too into it but the first one is from season one it's a uh, dragon chasers um I can't remember specifics of this of this episode. There, um, it's not it's not the I don't think it's the 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 prostitute serial killer, is it? Um, but no, no. Uh, Michael Kelly plays a, a serial killer that Dutch has been hunting, and he's basically got him in an interrogation room. And so many just incredible, incredible scenes in that series take place in this little confined room. Uh, where they interrogate these suspects and they, and they try to get confessions and just basic, you know, police procedural kind of stuff. But this particular scene in the episode Dragon Chasers it has Michael Kelly and and Dutch played by Jay Carnes, They they have a back and forth and Michael Kelly's character he is so so villainous and so just manipulative that it's incredible because cuz Dutch has his whole shtick. He's he's like trying. He's he's going by the by the book, a textbook serial killer case or whatever. He's he's saying like, oh, you're inferior. You have inferiority complex like this. This is why you're killing people. This is why you're doing that. And then like he leaves the room and then he comes back and <laughs> the guy has written on written on like the board or something dutch's name and he basically just turns it around and says like says like all this stuff to him to dutch and like basically hits everything on the head like points out all
2: of his character flaws
0: all of his character flaws all of his insecurities all of his everything and then and then there's like other subplots i think this is around the time where he's trying to bang danny yeah um the female uh, uni cop um but and he's failing at that cuz he's he's kind of a laughing stock of the of of the of the barn the the precinct. So he's an atypical cop. He is yeah and and yeah. it's such he's such a beta male to everyone. Yeah, he's kind of the exactly. whipping boy. And then but he's he's a he's a rock star at being a detective. Um and so so it all culminates by him getting the confession or he doesn't get the confession. They fi- they find um it's such a great scene it's all kind of coming back to me right now uh they find the the big piece of evidence that they needed and they're like well you and dutch has his big like so this so you're not that smart or whatever thing and it's just completely blows takes the, sa- the wind out of the guy's sails and he's going to prison and all that but then the end of the episode is just dutch go like he's he's walking through everyone is uh the whole time they're watching him do they're watching him perform in this interrogation room basically and then everyone's like clapping him on the back he's he's like you know he's 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 got the respect of everyone and then he just goes into the goes into the bathroom and he just he just breaks down and starts like gra- like punching the wall and stuff and like that's the moment in the show where I'm like this show is incredible yeah because it is such a layered performance and it's all all dictated from all the dialogue and everything that that's that comes through and it's so just so unlike really anything in a police procedural that I've seen. um, whew.
2: That's hey, a great example of that. Yeah, thank you. I have the same opinion of The Shield that you do. I think it's vastly yeah, underrated. Right? Um. <coughs> and yeah, so I, that's a good example. Basically, you could take almost any interrogation scene in mm-hmm. the whole series, and it'll hold up against any other interrogation scene from any other show. Yeah, yeah. With the exception of maybe a True Detective.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> True Detective is in a class by itself. Yeah. But... um. Real quick, the other example I want to give that because that was kind of an, an example of the police procedural kind of side of the the shield. Yeah. Uh, the other side of it is is the strike team, and um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Vic Vic's one liners. But I feel like those are just like he's <laughs> such a smartass on the show. But it's at times it seems to me like okay, they're kind of just stretching. They just need him to have some quick witted thing. Yeah. Um, but the big scene that I want to talk about is from season. <laughs> Oh, it's heavy. Um, Season six, um, Chasing Ghosts. And I'll set this up as best I can without spoiling it because people need to see the show. Um, Yeah, you can't set this up. I can't set it up. But it's such a powerful scene because it builds off of not only this season, season, season and a half long arc that's been building up from this big event earlier in the earlier in the season but it's also building off of their entire relationship throughout the entire run of the series mm-hmm. going back to the first episode of the series and it's it's so powerful the way that they just go back and forth and it's and it's so clear because on the surface when you when you when you take apart what the actual components of what what they're talking about it's like it's one sided like they could have made one character incredibly villainous and the other and the other character somewhat noble but it's such a it's such a an anti hero kind of dynamic that they're both wrong and they're both right like they mm-hmm. both have their own you believe it when they say, like, I was doing it for us. I was doing this for us. I was doing this to protect us and all that, even though you don't really believe it sometimes. Um, yeah. There's no way. To, there's yeah, no there's, way to go into not, that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, my parting thought on on the shield is watch the shield, man. Agreed. It's so good.
1: It's on the list. Would nice. you Would you rather I watch the Shield or Lost first?
0: Ooh. See, my immediate thought is, watch the Shield because if you watch Lost, I will just be so.
2: I'll never leave you alone.
0: I'll never leave you alone, and I'll be so bummed when you don't like it because. Yeah, I don't know, but the Shield—they're different beasts entirely. Um, yeah, I don't think you'll like either of them, Mike. Either the Oh, I, oh, I liked, so liked
1: the first two seasons of Lost. I liked everything of the Lost that I saw.
2: How how do you feel about how I met your mother now?
0: touche that's why i don't think you'll like lost (laughs) gotcha (laughs) best finale ever (laughs) and i say that with no uh, he
1: defends the finale
0: i do oh
2: so do i but i know uh, but i've kind of gotten used to your opinions on things mike and, uh, Uh and how you feel about things i don't think you'd like that
1: right right yeah
0: do you agree with that assessment matt uh i agree that you'll have if you ever get around to watching Lost, you will have an opinion, oh, <laughs> one yeah. way or another, and it it is very very much, and and this isn't this isn't a obviously this isn't a dig or anything like that. I because I completely respect your opinion, but I I know how how Lost is to people, and. Like, people who hate the finale for certain reasons, they're wrong. They're just completely wrong. But there are people... <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Like, they, <coughs> they they, are just blatantly wrong. Like, they, they weren't experiencing the show the way that they should have been. I, I don't know. How, it sounds so douchey to say that, but it's the truth. But, even, like, there are people who don't like the finale because... Uh, I, I don't know. It's just not for them. And I can't really... I can't really fault them for that at all it's just a matter of taste and I, I i i think that there is a chance that you will fall in that that thing okay <sighs> that evolved into a lost discussion it did it's uh, been a while since we talked about lost it has. So, yeah it has yeah. it has it's fair it's yeah. fair yeah. yeah i need to rewatch that uh, i put it on a shelf
1: <gasps> put it
2: on the shelf for a while
1: Oh, boy yeah, yeah. maybe we should move on maybe we tiny <laughs>
2: Uh, this will be pretty quick. My second one is a show I mentioned uh, a little bit ago during Matt's discussion of the Shield. Uh, it is the show True Detective, which I kind of feel bad because you know scripted television has been on the air for sixty or seventy years, <laughs> and I brought up <laughs> and a the best sh- you can
1: come up with is a ten-month-old show. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: um,
2: <laughs> but I think that show is one of the great. That at least that season is one of the greatest ever. I think
1: it's just amazing. Um oh, but we talk about endings. Yeah, and that's one I did oh, not like yeah. either.
2: Right, right. But anyway, that's but ahead. that's Mike. Yeah, <laughs> not me.
1: <laughs> I think that's. I mean, I think that's a majority of people. Right, most people were kind of dissatisfied with the ending. Of that.
0: I think it's fifty-fifty, actually. Really? Well, I don't know. I've been so far away that's, from any. It's any at any least fifty-fifty. Yeah. If okay. if not, it's it's slightly skewed into that camp. Okay. That maybe sixty forty. Um, well, that's the internet. Nobody likes anything on the internet, <laughs> right? <laughs> really quick, Mike. Before sure, uh, did you did that retroactively ruin the season for you?
1: Oh, um, not in the way How I Met Your Mother did. No, right. not even close.
0: Okay, just wondering. Yeah, launch lost. <laughs> Go ahead. Um,
2: <laughs> so there are almost any scene in this season of this show, which was what eight episodes. Yes, almost any scene could be included on in this episode. Mm-hmm. That's how good this show is um I particularly am a huge fan of all the religion bashing that goes on <laughs> right. um because it's very well said and it's very uh, poignant um but there is a scene that that sort of like the the uh the opening scene to the newsroom went viral mm-hmm. uh, and that is the uh time is a flat circle scene <laughs> It is from uh, episode five. Um, In the scene, Matthew McConaughey's character, Rust Cole, is being interrogated. And he's drinking throughout and sort of goes on these philosophical, metaphysical, existential tirades. And one of them is, I believe, based on some Nietzsche Mm -hmm. philosophy about how um, in the fourth dimension, uh, theoretical fourth dimension, uh, time... Would not be linear and sort of like <sighs> spherical the way we see it. it would be a flat circle to where you could perceive all of it simultaneously um, all right, all right all right I don't know I just <laughs> that was just too deep. I had to throw something in there right um so that's that's kind of the gist of of what he's saying, and he uses many more big words and <laughs> says it more eloquently than I just did, sure um. But it's just such... It's, that, that scene is just something that... It's, it's just one of those things you hear and you almost have to pause the show for a minute mm-hmm. or you have to rewind I abso- it.
1: I watched it twice.
2: Yep, I was just about to say you have to rewind it and watch it again.
0: Dialogue's so nice, you watched it twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ugh, Sorry. <too> <laughs> Dazed and this- confused reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it is one of those kind of pieces of dialogue uh go to youtube and just type in true detective time as a flat circle and there's like multiple choices you can look through um and that's i mean that's that's just a beautiful example of how amazing the dialogue is in this show um yeah do you guys Um, remember that one (laughs) (laughs)
0: it was awesome i want (laughs) to i want to point out uh, like I, i love i love all of rust's Existential scenes, and that's I, I like. I'm, I'm so excited to rewatch this show. I have it on Blu-ray, and I'm so excited to just go back and watch it again. But I, yeah, you do. It's not. It's something that I feel like I need to sit down and like devote my full 100% attention to it. Yeah. And it's something that's so deserving of that. What um, are you doing? Are you doing Matthew McConaughey? Is that what you're doing?
1: Sort doing? of with a In uh, response. Uh, to all- <laughs> it's, you're doing Rust.
2: Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. I could take my shirt off. He's but. making little like stick figures out of stuff. Anyway, um, but I want to point out a, a scene also in True Detective that really that uh, like the dialogue of it, it is just the juxtaposition of the dialogue in the scene is so great to me and and really pinpointed why I like the show so much. It was the scene where they're describing the shootout, and it's so great to see the juxtaposition between them them t- telling the detectives in present day about. About the shootout and when all that went on, and then you see the flashbacks and you see that it's, it's not what it seems, and it's such a right. great way to show like how much, how much these characters are set, are un, unreliable narrators in these first six, seven episodes, mm-hmm. uh, it's five or six episodes, yeah. and it's so it it's it was just so great. It was it gripped me so much like that, and it's it's one of those things that it it goes against what you think because it's. Cause the way that they're setting up like in episodes before that, they're setting up that there's going to be this huge gun battle and stuff like that. And it's going to be like really intense and it, it's not that, and it's in lesser shows would have shot themselves in the foot with that. But it's, it, it's so, so compelling. Um, and it helps that it comes off the heels of, of one of the greatest sequences of television I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the long shot thing
2: tracking shot
0: tracking shot. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I
2: love, I love the, the line where he says, uh, just like any other story, at the end, there was a monster. or There was a monster at the end of it or something like that. Yeah. I should probably know it if I'm going to quote it. Right. Um, but it's something along those lines. And it's just, that is such, an, such a, uh, an effective line, much like the rest of the show. Um, yeah, I, just, I can't say enough good things about the dialogue and basically every other thing about this show. <laughs> it's just amazing.
0: Alexandra Daddario.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. And, that. and her twins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She kids? was also in Texas <laughs> Chainsaw
1: 3D. and Was she? Yeah, yeah. she was like oh, anorexic an in that. Though. She's the final uh, girl.
0: Oh, good for her. <laughs> it's good to see that she can rise above it. Uh, Mike, what's your next one?
1: <laughs> rise above it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is, uh, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the 60 years of television. We pick recent shows. My show's still on the air. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, it's about to end and I'm going to talk about parenthood. Nice. Yeah. Which is a show done by the creators who did Friday night lights, which I don't know. uh, I don't know if either show is really known for its dialogue, but it's definitely known for its, for its heart tugging drama. Um, which is, which is done through character interaction. It's done through acting, but of course it is done through, uh, dialogue. Um, and Every character has a chance to show some some awesome dialogue. I really, really love Peter Krause as Adam Braverman. Uh, my favorite character on the show is is Dax Shepard's character, uh, um, Crosby Braverman. But the f- if you ask anybody, really, the best part of the show is when when you get a Zeke speech, and Zeke is kind of the patriarch of the family, uh, played by Craig T Nelson, and uh, he's just kind of this old old war vet who's who's trying to stay young but kind of realizing that he's not so young anymore and also kind of trying to keep his family together this this big growing family uh uh and he is just he's stubborn at times but he's so smart most of the time uh and you you always just if you don't have a good relationship with your grandpa or your dad you, you kind of like want to call him uh, and, and try to try to fix it and try to glean some sort of uh, wisdom like you would were your grandfather or your father, uh, Zeke Braverman. And so the, those are the kind of characters uh, when you asked about like what kind of dialogue you look for, it's, it's dialogue where the, the character is someone you would look up to because of the things they say. One of the lines of dialogue that I want to talk about in particular is in, I believe it's the second season, and it might be the third. I could be wrong, and I apologize for that. Uh, but his granddaughter, uh, by the way, who he calls, for the most part, granddaughter, and he calls his grandkids grandson. I just think that's super cool. Um, <laughs> but th- his granddaughter, Amber, does not get into college, and so she's drinking, and she gets into a car accident. And the, the first uh, responder is Zeke Braverman. Uh, and so I'll just <clears throat> I'll just read it to you. And this is still one of my favorite lines of dialogue from any show ever. Uh, and the the favorite from from this show. He goes, Amber, you know, I was two years in Vietnam. Do you know what I thought about? What I dreamt about? Coming home, having family, having grandkids. I dreamt you, Amber. And Hattie and Drew and Sydney and Max, these are his grandkids. We almost lost you, Amber. You had some bad breaks. You're not feeling good about yourself. You didn't get into Berkeley. Well, boo freaking who? You got to suck it up, girl. You're a braverman. You got my blood in your veins. If you ever do something like this again, if you even think of doing something like this again, I will kick your little butt all the way from here to the Golden Gate Bridge. You do not have my permission to mess with my dreams. Are we clear? And by the way, I got chills just reciting uh, that to you guys.
0: Damn, bro. I got chills hearing. Like, that is such... I dreamt you. Are you f- <laughs> <laughs>
1: how amazing is uh, that line
0: I, I love the i love the you don't have permission to mess with my dreams That's yeah my, dreams. <laughs> my god like i felt bad like i felt like i was being scolded yeah Isn't that <laughs> the best? It's, it's like pretty- i'm not mad at you i'm disappointed i'm oh, i'm an authority god. figure
1: here but i also love you more than everything in the whole world wow, wow. it's it's perfect
2: that show needed to be on cable.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm, imagine how much better that would be on cable. Yeah. Not that it's not great. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Man,
1: and so and show. so that's the best one. Uh I I I wish I could have saved some some more zingers for you later, but Zeke is full of ones like that. Nice. I dreamt you, he
0: says. <laughs> or zeekers instead of yeah. zingers.
1: So uh, that's it's kind of my public service announcement. I've been meaning to talk about it. Uh, in Potpourri for a while now because it's coming mm-hmm. to an end, and I I haven't had a chance. It's right. really, really a great show. It's coming back after Christmas. Uh, there, it's it's in the middle of its sixth season. So if you really, really hunker down and watch a lot, <laughs> you might be able to finish before the finale because I really think you're going to want to.
2: Nice. That's another show I'm thinking about. I, I taking really up need next to, year.
1: Too. Yeah, y- you should. It's 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 um, <laughs> it's it's. It's for people in a particular time in their lives, and I don't know. Okay. It's it's it hit me hard because uh, you know I got married and I and I'm starting a family, and so it's I I only bring it up as a contrast to the shows you've picked, like The Shield and Newsroom. Right. So so if you're not in the mood <laughs> for family drama, it might not hit you the right way. Right, but gosh, it's good.
0: Very good. Nice. Nice, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> Top that, Matt. I dreamt you. <laughs> and Matt's going to talk about Animaniacs.
0: I oh no, I'm trying to think what I sh- what I should talk because now I'm getting kind of self conscious because we all have talked about very modern shows, but I mean it's not like we're saying favorite TV dialogue of all time or anything. Right. Who cares? We're young. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, screw it. Um, so I'm gonna do this classic, classic TV show, uh, House of Cards. From, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, House of Cards. It, you know, and and I feel like we'll talk more about it. And we've we have talked more about it in the past. We did a we did a bonus episode devoted to seasons one and two, featuring Greg from We Are Libertarians. But, um. I, I recently started rewatching it because we're we're planning a retrospective next month and, and I wanna kinda I wanted to watch the first two episodes um of the show. Fincher, Tiny.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: Fincher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you gave me like a confused look like what? Did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm so drunk right now. Oh, it's okay. So um and I was just so struck by just the dialogue and, and one of the things that like like I said, Mike about Dexter, me warming up to the whole over, uh, voiceover narration is, uh-huh. um, one of the, be- one of the most compelling and, and best parts about house of cards is that we get a window to, uh, Frank, uh, Frank Underwood's, you know, psyche, um, because he, he, it's not a voiceover narration, but he addresses the audience. He breaks the fourth wall and does, uh, does, he's basically, um, <laughs> basically Zach Morris in Congress. Um, <laughs> No, but he he breaks the fourth wall and he he talks to us and addresses us. One of the the opening scene of the series is him, uh, walking out after hearing a um walking out of his house hearing a car hit a dog and he's basically explaining to us why he is killing this dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's what's what's great about it is that in in listening to the commentary on on Netflix, which I love that also that they put the commentaries up for season one, it on Netflix I love that so much and I hope that they do yeah. that for season two, but. Anyway, um, this isn't this wasn't like a writing k- tactic on their part, um, not consciously or whatever. But I just remind, I'm just reminded of. I think it's I, I want to say it's Blake Snyder did the whole save the cat thing, or might, that might have been another, uh, uh, screenwriting guru or whatever. But he basically there there's a whole idea in screenwriting that's save the cat. Have your have your protagonist do something heroic so that in the opening pages or opening opening pages of the script, so that, the so that the uh, the audience has a reason for uh, backing backing him up or being on his side. And the opening scene of House of Cards is Frank Underwood mercy killing a dog. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like it's such a it's such an interesting mission statement for for the show. And I mean, he get, he becomes a diabol he's a diabolical character. But it's such a weird way that he's he the way that he talks about it, it's like he he has no remorse of having to kill this dog or anything like that. And it's just a it's an interesting window into his, his into his character, um, and there's a lot of just flashy flashy dialogue that's just so cool throughout the throughout the throughout the two seasons that have aired so far. But um, one in particular, there's one in in chapter two. Um, <laughs> Of the of the series it's it's where he is basically the long and short of it is he's getting this guy who's written a bill that he leaked Um, he's getting him to um, he's getting him to agree to them redoing the bill while he has interns already at work doing redoing the bill and everything so mm-hmm. he's basically manipulating this guy into agreeing to something that he's already got running and he's 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 just slowly just pulling the strings to get him to do this thing or, or to get him to call it and have it be his idea and he he turns and addresses to the camera and everything and talks to us and it's it's such a it's such a cool scene because he's like he, he's telling that he's telling the guy That oh I'm just I'm the reason for this leak I'm gonna call CNN and I'm gonna just do that and everything and then the guy's like no 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 don't do that and then and then Frank just turns to the camera and he's he says and this stuck with me so much he says to he says to us he says all a martyr needs is a sword to fall on and then he just like he does this weird motion with his hand and then like the second that he that he does the motion with his hand the guys like I'll I'll take the hit or something like that it's like it's such a cool way to show. How he manipulates his 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 subjects pretty much, and how he's just this this pathological uh politician uh synonyms but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so cool it's it's so stylistic and cool i- i can't really express it that enough and there are, there are so many other examples throughout the first two seasons that, that would qualify for this episode, but that, that's the one that sticks out to me, having just seen it fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. Very good choice. Thank you. More more
2: interesting use of, not voiceover, obviously, breaking right. the fourth wall, but it's more, as opposed to like a monologue, it's more like a one-sided conversation. Yeah. Because like you kind of want to talk to him, yeah. <laughs> to Frank Underwood, because he's so horrible. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of like listening to one side of a phone call. That's kind of how it feels.
0: It's like it's like watching kind of a kind of a stage play, like almost Shakespearean. And, and oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of it's cool. <laughs> um, it is cool. Yeah, I can, I'm stumbling over all of my. We're talking about TV dialogue, and I've just talked about how cool House of Cards is. <laughs> um, it's tight, yo. Yeah, it's really it's totally neat. tight <laughs> It's it's really cool. It's
1: it's a nice show because it's nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, it's to borrow something that was on Slash Filmcast. It's a nice sit. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's anyway. yeah, we haven't heard that. Yeah. That, anyway, reference. Um. Yeah. So that's it. I think that's all we're going to talk about for the for TV dialogue. I believe it is. It's a deep well. well. We'll we'll eventually yeah. revisit it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, we can't go without saying, uh, talking about how the 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 Walking Dead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Um, yeah. They whisper a lot in that show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <they do. laughs> yeah. Stuff and <laughs> and things. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. Uh so yeah, so that's that's our talk about uh, uh TV dialogue.
1: Hey hey you sexy TV junkies. This is Tongue from Teleadvised Uncensored, brought to you by Brocoolnation.com and you're listening to the Obsessive Viewer podcast.
0: All right, again if this is your first time listening to us, this is our potpourri section where we basically just talk about what we're into, what we're looking forward to, any news, anything like that. Whatever sounds uh what what is the how do we say it? Anything we want, as long as it smells good. There you go, Tiny. Hey. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, who wants to go first? Mike, <laughs> you haven't said anything in a while. No, I haven't.
1: <laughs> There's a lot to say. It's been a while. What to say, what to say. <laughs> I feel like as the resident comic book guy, uh, superhero fan that I should talk about the the Spider-Man and Marvel news and all the rumors that are going around. Um, but I just I haven't really gathered my thoughts on all of those and I and I I know that, you know, that we have found out that what they would do with Spider-Man if Marvel got a hold of it, right, Andrew Garfield would be out, they'd mm-hmm. skip the origin story, uh they wouldn't focus on the romance so much and he would appear in Civil War. But again, that's if they got a hold of it and i and i just have a feeling that fanboys are kind of getting super excited for this thing to happen that is really just rumor uh and we know how desperate sony is to make money we've yeah. we've seen them make an uh a a really subpar reboot just to make sure they retain the rights so um I don't know. I I don't under. I don't know the business side of it. I don't know what they're capable of. What they could do. Maybe if they could come to some sort of agreement. But uh, the the real pessimist in me just doesn't see it happening as awesome as it would be. And and I have you know I have friends. I have students who are coming to me and showing. Oh, these are the actors that they're thinking about for Spider Man. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you're cute, but uh, <laughs> keep dreaming, buddy boy. <laughs> Wow. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
2: that's It's such a sad thing because Sony wants the property to make a crap ton of money off of it. Right. And they're only using it to make money, whereas Marvel, you know, would be loyal to the character. Right. And, you know interested in the art like they should be.
0: <laughs> and Marvel has the the foundation from which it would be a low risk for them to introduce right. it. And yep. the fans would, would be clamoring for it, obviously. Yeah. But I don't see... They, they can talk as much as they want, but I don't see Sony being desperate enough to sell off one of their most prized properties um in such a competitive genre <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't know no
1: they absolutely won't sell it off and and right. i don't think that's even an option okay. but coming to some sort of agreement is is kind of what people are talking about like I,
0: a co-venture thing or something
1: yeah like but again i just i just don't know and so if you don't mind i'm going to switch gears because i just the 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 answer to all of this is i don't know it all depends right okay um what I really want to talk about is that I saw Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. Oh, oh
0: putting the back in Yeah. Christmas. So we everything. we
1: saw this movie. We were kind of looking for what to see uh last week and and I had seen the trailer for Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas and I and I had heard the backlash from everybody. I mean even Christians are hating this movie. Uh and so we were kind of just interested so I watched the trailer and just read reviews and it's it's awful. It was I mean just awful reviews. It is now on IMDb officially uh the lowest rated movie on IMDb. It is number <laughs> 1 on the bottom 1000 officially, which is awesome. Love it. It had something like a 3 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is amazing. Yeah. Um and so I I won't get into a whole lot of detail because I I don't want to give Kirk Cameron too much of my time. But uh, I mean everybody knows where we stand uh, about the kinds of things he's talking about. But what is most troublesome is that he just – he tries to make these new analogies for why the excess at Christmas, why the tree and the decorations and why the Santa and the material things are actually good and doing service to God. And And there are a great number of Christians who would disagree with that, mm-hmm. right? He at one point says, "You know all the all the material things that we buy, all the gifts, all the biggest turkey you can buy, the biggest ham, all the this and that that you buy, uh, is material, and so it it honors Jesus because he gave his material body for us. <laughs>
2: Wow! I mean, it is
1: seriously the movie is those kinds of analogies. The acting is unbelievably bad. Uh, his, the guy who plays his brother-in-law is in the car, and he does kind of like a even worse than Family Guy repeat stutter. You know, like when he doesn't understand oh. a point or he's trying to make a point, he'll he'll repeat himself a hundred times. Literally in the theater, I went oh! <laughs> <laughs> out loud because oh, wow. I couldn't. I mean, I had to. I had to vocally emote somehow. And so I did that. And uh and there was a a woman and what looked like her teenage son in the theater and at the end of the movie they applauded the movie.
2: Oh no. Yeah. So you had like an involuntary reaction to the movie. I did I could
1: not help myself but to but that's to terrific. just exhaust every bit of emotion out I had, of my throat.
2: I had no idea that's what the movie was about. Me neither.
1: Yeah. So it's, he- it's atrocious. It's it's offensive, and uh, and uh, what what makes me happy uh, is that you know one one thing we can agree with with the with the Christians <laughs> is uh, is just the 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 corporate nature of of Christmas nowadays. Yeah, you know, that we we can all agree on that, right? That's that's one thing that uh, that we that we've all said. I mean, yeah. I take part in all of it, and I love Christmas. But the, Same. I mean, Kurt Cameron is just is just a madman. It sounds he's like crazy. he's just he is crazy. Yeah,
0: it's it sounds like he's just shilling for like did did was is this like all paid for by product placement and stuff like that? Like this uh, only.
1: I have no idea. I don't think so.
0: That's the only explanation I can come up with. Something like that. That's hmm. such that's such the antithesis of everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh. Yeah, they should change the name of Christmas to Consumermas, because that's yeah. what it's about uh, is consumerism uh, now. Yeah. That's funny. He it's, he's he's writing He's riding the sinking ship of Christianity and jumped onto the sinking ship of
0: Christ filled <laughs> right. Christmas. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: It is uh
0: I, I I don't know. Wow. I can't wait to see it. I you know, I'm not you're you not. going will gonna, be more angry. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> we saw God's Not Dead this year. I can't do that again. So <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: will yeah. see anyway, when, when So you there's
2: time mine. Time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Tiny, what do you <laughs> got for buffery? Um, I'm glad Mike brought up something Christmassy oh. because Christmas, by the time this episode releases, will be in like one week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Roughly. Yeah. So yeah. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. Um, I watched a phenomenal documentary. It is called I Am Santa Claus, and in this movie, they follow... Uh, like four or five men who work as a Santa Claus uh in the holiday season and they follow them for a whole year 365 huh. days um it is just really insightful and just it it does i've said this before it does what some great documentaries do in that it presents you with an idea and it's sort of on on the path to that idea, it peels off, and you just start to you just start to learn about these people. Okay. You learn about the people, and not about the fact that they want to be Santa Claus. Huh. Um, it's just it's so charming, and I mean, I laughed my ass off. I got angry. I cried. <laughs> it was just really brilliant. Um, it is produced by uh, Mick Foley who played the huh. wrestler mankind.
0: Um, oh, that's awesome. Who is a, I love Mick Foley.
2: He's a delightful human being. Yeah, he I've
0: really seen that is. on Netflix, I yeah. think. Yeah.
2: And far more intelligent than his public persona would lead you to believe. Right. Um and he, he it was kind of a, a lifelong dream of his to play Santa Claus once huh. and that dream comes to fruition in the movie and it's just really really heartfelt and 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 warm. Wow. Um it, it is it is a great documentary. It is on Netflix Instant. What's so it called again? I Am Santa Claus. Okay. Yeah. It was produced by Mick Foley and also produced by um, Morgan Spurlock. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I'm a fan of, of his. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he, you know, some of his stuff he's presented is a little controversial now. Sure. But he, the guy knows how to make a documentary. Yeah. For sure. So Nice. Yeah, it's very good. Please watch it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Also, um, I'm still doing my project... 365 <laughs> movies, 365 <laughs> days. I haven't calculated it today, but I'm
0: like four or five movies behind.
1: Jeez. Oh, Tiny. Uh,
0: don't let us down. Yeah, if I, you let us down, you're off the podcast. This
1: will be the worst thing. It will not. be the worst thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're going to ruin Christmas, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody.
1: Everybody. <laughs>
2: I won't. I will. I will complete it. I recently started dating someone, and we've been spending mm-hmm. a lot of time together. So, um, it's all her oh, fault. That's Blame when her. It stops. <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. It's yeah. been amazing. Um, so yeah, I I will. I'll, it's crunch time. I'll have to do a little marathoning over the next couple of weeks, but yes. I will complete this project. Nice. nice.
0: So yeah. And then do it again next year. Oh. And then do it again next year.
1: Uh. <laughs> nice. Uh. It'll Double be, it next year. Yes. Has it been a challenge?
2: It has. Especially the past several months, couple months. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's turned. I mentioned when I first started that I don't want it to turn into a chore, but <sighs> I knew that it would, and it it did about a month, month and a half ago. Jeez. Yikes. But I'm going to do it.
0: I'm so sorry for the I your mean, problems, October's is a challenge. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You're an cool. iron man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um,. Matty. Yeah. Coming off the super happy Christmas stuff, I'm going to talk about Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's about to expire off of Netflix uh, in Jan- January 1st, so watch it. It's, right. um, it's kind of funny because I haven't gotten a chance to watch any Christmas stuff. And this yeah. is such a we- – like it's such a – it's not a really hard watch per se-, per se. I mean it deals with some very serious stuff. I mean – um. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, uh, Meryl Streep are married and she leaves him and he has to raise a kid by himself and it's the struggles of doing that and then she comes back and she wants him back and that's the that's the movie is their struggle the custody battle and everything like that happy holidays everybody (laughs) Um, (laughs) no but it's it's such a a compelling movie and it's so it's so cool (laughs) I was again uh, you can tell we haven't podcasted in a while. Um, no, and it's it's such. It it gripped my attention, and it, and I really felt for what Dustin Hoffman's character was going through. Um, not that I've ever been in that position before. I don't think I have any kids, but <laughs> he, like his struggle, it's it's such a it's. Because obviously, and I have some problems with the ending, but I won't get into it because spoilers and all that. But it's it's really interesting to see his growth as a character cuz he's this yuppie businessman who's who's all about his job and he's he just secured a new account and he's on the fast track to get to get this and that and get all these uh promotions and everything and go places and all that and then it's just like on the eve of this big big day in his career um his wife leaves him and and you can tell like we talked about dialogue uh, in this episode, and you can tell in the dialogue, it's just so, so interesting the way that he, they reveal like his his character, because he's like, you're really going to do this today that um, this should have been the best day of my life, <laughs> or one of the five best days of my life. And she's like, well, I'm sorry for ruining one of the five best days of your life or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But um, and there's just it, it, there's so much. So many moments throughout throughout the movie are just so poignant and heartfelt that, like like the simple act of him um, struggling to to make breakfast for the kid, and and it's called back later in the movie when you show when it shows his growth. It's a really good example of of just a using silence, and b um, just sh- sh- charting the growth of the character. Um, and the movie kind of falls apart kind of toward the end. It, I mean, it it kind of goes for maybe i'm just a dark person but it kind of like wrapped up kind of neatly maybe yes maybe yeah don't <laughs> uh, <they'll> watch parenthood <laughs> <laughs> but um but no i was very satisfied with the movie the performances were really good um it's kind of funny uh, meryl street being like the powerhouse actress that she is um she's un- underutilized in, in the movie um mm. and it's it's a fairly early movie it's from like 79 i think um so she, and she's not really used that well or that much in it but the, all of her the power of her performance comes through in her silence um especially during the custody um dispute and stuff um hashtag surprise courtroom drama sort of not really surprise, but you know yeah. um so yeah that's fine. do we want to do another round
2: how was michael richards in it versus himself
1: <laughs>
2: oh no! That was totally
0: a Matt joke. It it was. That's a joke you would make. It it, it Don't is. you deny it? I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we want to do another quick round? No. You don't? No, that's all, don't, yeah.
1: Has it been an hour? I think we've been on an hour.
0: We're at an, Well, we're on hour twelve.
1: Yeah, let's cut it off. I kind of did too anyway.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Ten thirty, bro. Uh, yeah, it is ten thirty, isn't it? Oh my god, it's ten thirty. Yeah, uh, I gotta work in the morning. Yep,
1: yep. Welcome to real life. I know. Welcome to my nightmare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. And coming up on the blog, I don't have anything coming up on the blog. Really quick, really <gasps> soon. I've I've been falling behind on my decade reviews. Uh, so what
1: what are we doing next week? Maybe plug that too. Come back next week for. Oh
0: uh, yeah. Uh. Okay. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for uh, checking us out. Uh, Check out ObsessiveViewer.com for some uh, interesting articles and reviews and stuff. I might try to work something out for Christmas. I'm not sure yet. Um, Also, next week on the podcast, we're going to be doing a Friends retrospective with me and Mike, I believe. And then after that, to round out the year, we're going to be doing a... uh, Or before that, I'm not sure how it's going to work out in the timing, but we're going to do an extended potpourri. Just Mm -hmm. talking about all the stuff we're going to we're into i plan on getting through a lot of christmas stuff in the next week so <laughs> hopefully that'll happen you
1: got some work to do
0: i do i do love yeah. actually is about to expire on netflix i need, oh, to, I no. need to get that watched such a good um, movie i need to buy it 10th anniversary blu-ray great movie it, it really is yeah, yeah i'm not yeah. joking it's great yeah, movie. yeah
2: hugh grants in that dude Yeah.
0: Totes. anyways all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We're gonna throw it to our pre-recorded outros. Um, anything else you guys want to say before we head out?
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
1: Thanks. Damn.
2: Was it like just your sore, just a sore throat, or was it like more than that?
1: Uh, it was sore throat, sneezes, coughing, mm. the whole, the whole Damn. deal.
2: Fun because yeah, I got sick on, like, Thursday. Last yeah. week? Like, yeah, like, Jesus. my throat just got real sore, and then it just turned into coughing over the past couple of days. I lost my voice on Sunday, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was, I was shitty. I was like, we're not even going to be able to record again this <laughs> right. week. Yeah. But thankfully, it probably still sounds a little weird, but... Yeah, I can kind of so- yeah. sound it.
1: I will also- <clears throat> It's been weird. We, yeah. uh, you know, like, Dustin and I were supposed to record two Tuesdays in a row, and it just... <laughs> it didn't work out because we were sick and yeah. I don't know it was ugly
0: well last Sunday through Wednesday I shit everything <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that sounded not fun it so it you're all cleared awful. out
0: I, I am it was like, like around Wednesday I was like are you kidding me like how <laughs> how do I have enough stuff in my body to be expelling it like I I, I was like probably close to being not close to being dehydrated but like even my water intake was considerably low just because wow. I didn't want to shit it all out yeah Uh, last week sucked thank you for downloading or streaming the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast the music you heard at the top of the episode and right now is provided by Loudlike. their EP Mistakes We Must Make features our theme song and eclipse of events you can find that on iTunes and while you're there please rate and review them and us uh, and let us know what you think also uh, like us on facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer follow us on twitter at obsessive at obsessive tiny and at i am mike white and also check out ObsessiveViewer.com for reviews of movies tv shows and industry commentary uh, also check out obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading and also Tiny's side project podcast the secular perspective Is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, you can email us at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.